The Boston Celtics, I mean, Jake, what can you say? They absolutely decimated the Suns. They need to change their name to the Supernovas because the Celtics blew them up and blew them out. We're going to recap the game. We've got some juicy stats to get to as the Celtics continue to elevate themselves statistically. And, of course, the big one, the upcoming finals rematch against the Golden State Warriors next on First to the Floor. It's going to be first to the floor here, and it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. Hey, hey, welcome in. First to the floor, Ben Vallis here. Hope you're doing well. I'm joined by one Jake Eisenberg. Jake, how you doing, sir? Ben, I'm doing so well. It's yes. Friday afternoon. <laughs> Sun is shining in Sydney. I have a beer. I have a second beer next to the beer once this beer is finished. The Celtics are 21 and 5. Life's good, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I have one of my wife's uh, seltzers because we've been away for a week. I've come home, no beer in the fridge, but there was a nice cold seltzer in the back, so uh, I'm doing okay. Meanwhile, the sun is absolutely belting down (laughs) on my attic here, so if you start to see those little beads of sweat... It's not the nerves, it's just the insane heat up here in the attic. Anyway, (laughs) let's get into it. This game, Jake, an absolute platter filled with Celtic treats. Phoenix was favoured by two. They lost by 27. The Jays combined for 50. Blake Griffin had another solid performance as a part-time starting centre. Noel Horford, the Celtics, they're up by 45 at one point. And perhaps most importantly, we had the defensive coming out party. Jake... Just starting broad here, mate. Like, what were the, the main takeaways for you from this one? Man, if you you better come with your A game against the Celtics right now. If you, because oh, yeah. like, I think this was a combination of the Celtics playing incredibly all around both ends and the Suns missing some shots. And if you just go cold for a quarter, the Celtics will have you questioning your existence as a franchise, as a human. On this, in, on this rock that we're on. Because that's the kind of stuff I was seeing from Sun's Twitter. Like, there was some doomsday-type vibes because they already had that loss against the Mavs and it only got worse against the best team in the league. I was a little concerned going in. Once Al went into the protocol, DeAndre Ayton has been really good this year, really good last year, was a starting center on a finals team that held his own against Joker, Giannis. Really, really impressive. And he had his lunch money stolen by Blake Griffin and Luke Cornett. Really unimpressive showing from him and the complete opposite from the boys in green. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I thought this game appeared over with a minute to go in the first quarter. Like, that's how soon it was like, oh man, the Celtics are going to run a train on these guys. Like both teams, they were going at it early, right? Like pretty evenly matched Celtics. Little trouble getting into their offense early on. And then a few deadly looking CP3, DeAndre Ayton pick and roll possessions. And we're like, "Uh uh-oh, like we've seen this before. Other teams pick and roll tandems, picking the Celtics apart. Then CP3, he goes to the bench and then cue the Celtics run. That (laughs) was the rest of the game. The rest of the game just was a Celtics run. But for me, really to encapsulate the entire game, you've got to look at this defensive stretch from the middle of the second quarter. I'm going to run a clip here. And this is a stretch towards, I guess, the mid to late second quarter. We see a pick-and-roll attempt completely disrupted by Luke Cornett. Another entry pass to DeAndre Ayton. Well defended by Blake. Derek White comes over and just completely steals his marbles, resulting in a very time-taken transition three-point shot from Grant Williams. Again, Grant Williams, this time defending CP3 in isolation, directing him into drawing a, a very illegal screen from Derek White as well. Again... Derek White disruption. These are all, these plays are all sequential, by the way. This play is like this stretch rather is uh, one play after another of the Celtics just completely locking down the Phoenix Suns in the mid to late second quarter. And at that point, if it wasn't considered over already, this really was the Celtics putting their stamp on the game and leading the Suns and their fans to some of those doomsday mindsets that you are that you mentioned there, Jake. Dude, we have not. We've seen it in spurts. The last three games, we have seen the defense start to heat up. And this is one of those second quarters that we saw similar to last season where you were just grinding these teams into dust. Now, 
I'm not sure. I didn't honestly expect us to have the capability to do that with Blake Griffin on the floor with Aiton out there, as, as I said earlier. So truly impressive. And this is the type of defense, like that swarming. You've got Derek White coming as soon as, you know, Aiton puts the ball on the ground. Bang, Cobra strike. We've got two guys now that are Cobra striking other opposing <laughs> big men. It's just not fair. And so... You know, there was, there's a, a, a clip we might run later as well, but, you know, D. White is guarding Devin Booker in isolation. A screen comes over and Devin Booker's like, no, no, I, just leave me with Derek White. I don't want Marcus Smart. I don't want Jason Tatum. The last three games has been really impressive on the defensive end. And something that we know about playing on the road is that defense travels. Your shot, you know, that's the old adage, role players make shots at home. The Celtics make shots everywhere because that's what they do this year. But, you know, going into a a really tough road trip, you know, Brooklyn's been rolling um, without that Celtics game. Toronto bounced back with a nice win yesterday against the Lakers. To beat those two back-to-back, come into Phoenix, who had the second-best defensive rating in the league coming in, best record in the Western Conference. Yeah. And just shut their water off completely. Like Devin Booker was square in the middle of the the MVP race. He's just not. He, they're not built to to match up against the Celtic kind of on on either end. But like mm-hmm. he, the last person that Devin Booker wants to see uh, is Jason Tatum because he can't get around him and he's way too long for him to shoot over. And Jalen Brown yes. is locked in. Let's talk about Jalen. Yes. yes. Yeah, so, I mean, a quick post game quote from Jalen Brown on what led to the domination of the Suns. Uh, per Adam Himmelsbach, he said, I think defensively we started to get back into ourselves, like being able to lock teams up, suffocate teams tonight that showed. Jake, like say more about Jalen Brown because I thought on both ends, defensively and offensively, he was just incredible. And that's been the case for like the last four or five games, at least. I mean, I mean he finally broke his no turnover streak by having one. one. So yeah. three <laughs> games, one turnover. We'll so that's one, that's one side of the ball. Five for five from the line, up to 84% from the free throw line, but it's the defense. Um, he's been good offensively. Um, even before he started really cooking, he was still, you know, putting, getting, getting buckets. But now to see him lock in, and that's kind of always been the, the MO with Jalen is that he needs, he, need, he needs to be locked in. He can kind of get lost with the fairies a little bit. And that's why, you know, you, we have one of the best playoff defenses. Like when, when Jalen is locked in and in the playoffs, he is locked in. The defense isn't as much of a problem. He is going to lose someone off ball. That's just something that happens. But man, he was locked in. Devin Booker couldn't get past him. Didn't want to see him. He he's doing the thing where he he's sneaking around. He's getting tip balls in in passing lanes that are leading to fast breaks. He's getting more block shots. It's just a commitment. Like it's an overall commitment to to the defensive end um, and something that that he's clearly thinking about a lot more than he was two weeks ago. Yeah, I have here on my run sheet. Make sure you get the stats of uh, Devin Booker when defended by Jalen Brown. Of course, I ran hmm. out of time. Didn't do that. But I think even just sort of anecdotally and vaguely having watched the game, any possession where Devin Booker was guarded by Jalen Brown, he was put into an absolute torture chamber. Obviously, Devin Booker, great player. He scored every now and then. But for the most part, very consistently, crazy locked up by Jalen Brown, right? Like, he was just so intent on stopping Devin Booker from scoring. Yeah, so like I'm like you know I'm a, I'm an NBA sicko, and unfortunately my my fiance now can name like the end of the bench of of the Celtics. Like well so, done. You, you, I, for the audience that doesn't know, my dad's from Boston and my mom's from Australia. When they when she met my dad's parents, she was able to name like the Larry Bird starting five, and they were super impressed with that. Nice. Lucy can like can name Justin Jackson and like. Kevin Gailey, it's it's. I, I actually feel feel bad for her, but we were watching the Suns game, and uh, she was like, "Oh, Devin Booker is so smooth." I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's kind of you know, top ten, top twelve guy now." He's like, "Oh, is she, is he really rated ahead of of Jalen Brown?" Because you know, she doesn't watch every every Suns game and things like that, you know, and, and she only sees the lens of of Jalen Brown. She's like, "Jalen's Jalen's way better than than Devin Booker," and I'm like, "Look." Who am I to tell you that you're wrong over the past uh, <laughs> over the past couple of weeks from what you've been watching on on the TV screen? Because he has been out of control, and now when you're matching it with the defense, because Booker's not an elite defender, he's improved immensely on that end. Um, but he's just never going to be a six foot seven super athlete. That's just you can't coach that, as they say. Yeah. Absolutely. And like Jalen, you know, this goes both ways, unfortunately, where his mind wanders and he does allow himself to get backdoor cut. And he does, you know, give up some unfortunate defensive lack of efforts, I would say. But then it can swing the other way as well, where it becomes hyper-focused. And we saw it in his defense on Devin Booker. 
And also at the other end, going at Devin Booker. Like Devin Booker was in foul trouble in this game. Jalen Brown drew at least two, like multiple fouls on Booker himself. Oh, and really just like on both ends made sure that Booker was uh, kept active and never was never able to take any possessions off at any stage. So really just a total, total end-to-end nullification of Devin Booker by way of Jalen Brown torture. Incredible. One of the many enjoyable aspects of this game. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Devin Booker was not having a good time. Um, that's for damn sure. There, there was an awesome moment in the game, actually. Like the Suns were already down really bad late in the second quarter, and then Jalen went at Devin Booker in isolation, drew his fourth foul like yeah. right there. It was, it was already so bad for Phoenix. And then just like, bam, four fouls in the first half. Jalen Brown cooking your boy. It was just spectacular. I feel like we could talk about Jalen Brown all night. Actually, you look like you got something else oh, you want to say, so get it out and then we'll move, it felt we'll move personal. on. It felt personal a little bit. Yeah, um, totally. And someone posted a clip of Grant in one of the interviews he did with Duncan Robinson in the offseason, and they were asking about, you know, uh, which Celtics players like the tra- trash talk. And uh, when he was talking about JB, he's like, JB doesn't really like to say too much unless you start talking to him. And apparently there was a Phoenix game where Devin Booker was talking to Jalen, and kind of ever since then... He took that personally. And so now, yeah, yeah hey, look, and Jalen sees, hey, this guy could be one of my all NBA competitors. I'm yeah, trying to- totally. I'm trying to make an extra 60 mil here. Let's take his lunch. Also, like to hop back, the 70 point Devin yes. Booker game on Avery Bradley and IT and those Celtics, I believe Al Horford was present for that game too. Jalen was and- on the team there, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Like, we talk about curses in the NBA. We talk all too often, unfortunately, on this pod, although we haven't recently, fortunately, about the curse <laughs> of IT. There's got to be some some cursey stuff there, Jake, right? Surely. With the whole Devin Booker celebrating scoring 70 points in a loss and then proceeding to get pretty much owned in every single encounter, almost, with the Celtics since then. What else defensively? Because I, I really feel like that is the focus. Like, if you just talk about the offense for a second... The main takeaways is it's just more of the same, right? Mm. Like a lot of off-ball movement, a lot of everybody screening, and particularly the Jays and just a completely selfless approach to team offense. Defensively, what else did you notice in this game that maybe you hadn't noticed in the first half of the season so far? Man, uh, the, the it, it's an overall commitment. It's an it's a it's an it's kind of a, a focus thing, and I and I think that there is something to the idea that, that a lot of energy and effort and focus went into improving the offense and the way that they are playing on offense takes a lot of a lot like they're moving they're cutting no one is stopping it at any point and I just think that that's naturally going to have an impact on your defense and I have not seen like anyone not this podcast not the various other content that I'm consuming has been worried about the Celtics defense because I know for Mm -hmm. a fact that Jalen Marcus Tatum all these guys are still really good defenders it's it's a buy-in now and and it's just kind of been trending, right? You know, small sample sizes. Yeah, they're in the, the 20s for the first kind of couple of weeks, but it's been consistently moving in the right direction. Like over the last 15 games, they are the fifth ranked defense, which I would be terrified if I was the rest of the league. Like the offense continues to be awesome. Like, you know, regressions coming for the offense. They only shot 33% from three in the first half. And they are up by 27 points. Mm-hmm. That was because of the defense that you just showed in the second quarter. The defense reminded me of how they play against Philly because the Phoenix was trying to take advantage of that eight and matchup as they should have. And they, they went to the pick and roll early and they were able to take advantage of some, some switching, some miscommunication, but they're not there, you know, timeout. They, they cleaned that up and they were getting hands in passing lanes, Luke, Luke Cornette getting his hands over for lobs. And then anytime Aiden was putting the ball on the ground or turning for a jump hook, there was a second defender right in his face. And basically from the middle of that second quarter, Aiton was like, this is too hard. We're not going to win this game. And that's kind of the player he's been throughout his career. Kind uh, kind of like Embiid in a way. It's like things start to go bad and they start to snowball. And the thing with the Suns is they're not, they're not that, they're not very big. And so, mm-hmm. and the Celtics aren't playing huge this year, but you know, Booker undersized versus the Jays. Uh, Chris Paul, he looked rough. Um, as good as Mikel Bridges is on both ends, like he's he's just like a miniature-sized version of Jason Tatum. So like they just they just overwhelmed them. It was like a tidal wave. Yeah, and and part of that overwhelming, like you mentioned, Jake, was the constant disruption of any 
action towards DeAndre Ayton. You mentioned Luke Cornett got his hand up there, and we showed it on that clip earlier. Completely nullified uh, a lob attempt to DeAndre Ayton. We also saw, saw Grant Williams do that in one possession. We saw Tatum do that in one possession. Luke Cornett is a huge guy. Uh, by all standards and by normal standards Tatum and Grant are huge guys but by NBA standards they sort of they're in the middle of the field I suppose they were getting in there and disrupting those lob attempts to DeAndre Ayton as well which tells me from a team defense perspective like that's by design and that was a point of emphasis for the team and then not just the lob attempts but just post entry passes to DeAndre Ayton we saw again in that clip he ran earlier Derek White getting in there, stripping the ball. We saw Blake Griffin disrupting, you know, essentially everything that DeAndre Aiden attempted to do on both ends of the floor. And it was, it was clearly, like I said, a point of emphasis for the entire team to to nullify any impact from DeAndre Aiden. I was really impressed by how he was completely shut out by the Celtics. I have his stats here somewhere. Nope, they're gone. Maybe yeah, I don't have them. Really, um, really, really good go point from Sid Citrus in the chat here. So many steals in this game too, right? And so... For the season, the Celtics are pretty much last in steals, which is really surprising considering how good the defense was last year and how active, how impactful so many of the Celtics players are at the point of attack. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, tiny sample size. I'm just looking at kind of quickly. Is it last three games? They are first in the league at 10.3 steals. So with the defense starting to get cranked up, these things are are starting to, to flip the other way around. See if I filter it to to see last fifteen games. They're in kind of middle of the pack. So again, sure. all of the defense is just trending in the right direction. And I just think that uh, with how much energy and focus went into the offense, that the defense just lagged behind a little bit. And I think, man, they they've just been blowing teams out by you know, or just kind of imposing their will. And it hasn't really felt like they're going to lose a lot of games. And so when they've and then when they've needed the defense. They've cranked it up. You know, the OKC game comes to mind. The third quarter against the Raptors. The whole game against the Nets. Even the Grizzlies game comes to mind, like late in that game. You know, Tatum switching onto Jar uh, and blocking him. Yeah, the defense has been there when they've needed it. But now to see it kind of, they them have that for the entire game across, you know, four, five, you know, six games in a row. That's what you want to see. Yeah, absolutely. And like to continue on that, just the... The knowledge of any particular opponent's preference of how they like to run their offense or through who they like to run their offense and then the complete nullification of that that emphasis from that team. So in this case, it was the nullification of the Suns' stars. So CP3, two of six shooting, four turnovers, just four assists. Obviously limited minutes because everyone sat in the fourth quarter. Was, there was yes. essentially like 15 minutes of garbage time in this game. Devin Booker, 6 of 17 shooting. A team worst, minus 40, as Oof. one of our mates called out in the chat uh, earlier. And then DeAndre Ayton, this is the stat I was looking for earlier. Just 4 of 7. And and 7 shot attempts, I think, it's is terrible. the key there. Like For him to only put up 7 shots in this game, also just 7 rebounds. He was out-rebounded by Blake Griffin. Come on, 4 man. turnovers, no blocks. So, like, no like notable rim protections from DeAndre Ayton. Both ends of the floor for all of those, you know, the quote-unquote stars, which you can at least attribute that title to CP3 and Booker, like completely nullified in this game. I think I've said the word nullified like 20 times already in this podcast, (laughs) but that's just, that's the theme. That's exactly what was done to the Suns, among uh, many other things. And then just suffocating ball pressure. If you, NBA League Pass have a really great uh, way of re-watching games, which is you can filter it by all possessions and cut out all the fluff. And watching it on, on sort of fast forward like that, it's almost overwhelming, even as a Celtics fan, just to see like how how busily defended the Suns are and how much pressure there is on the ball from the uh, Celtics' defensive perspective. It's incredible. I, I definitely the best defensive performance of the year. And then similar to the Raptors game, Jake, and what Jason Tatum said after that game, along the lines of like playing this way, it's just a choice that the team mm. can collectively make. And it seemed like, I don't know, they made that choice at halftime of the Raptors game. And then they have not taken their foot off the gas. Despite all the golfing they did before the Suns game, they've managed to like maintain that sort of mental focus and intensity. And uh, really just incredible to watch, right? Like we, we've been, this is, we, if you're watching on YouTube, you've seen our happy faces for <laughs> weeks now because it's been incredible. And this somehow, the Celtics just took it to a whole new level. And uh, Jake and I, if you're watching, like clearly just some of the happiest fellas uh, in the world yeah. right now. Jake, yeah, what else I, you got? I, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that we're not the players, right? I'm glad that 
Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart are essentially Brad Stevens clones at this point. Yes. Like, it's not too high, not too low. One game, your season's not over. If You, you know, that's not going to make or break them. It's just like locked in, building habits, like all the Bradisms. I love it so much. Joe, and like Joe Mazzulla talking about Brad Stevens clones. Like, he's basically a Brad Stevens clone. He's maniacal. He's like, he's so focused on on the details like he I don't think I've like, he's he's starting to get a little funny in the in the post games and if we run that clip a little later he was pretty funny in the in the post game last night trying to manage everybody's minutes but um but yeah this is this is just the, the golf trip is good I, I like that I thought that was because remember like was it the bubble when they were playing a lot of golf and there were Celtics fans that were like oh my god I can't believe they would be playing golf so I'm just noticing some some bots in the chats here. Come what? on, Elon, get, move over to <laughs> move over to YouTube and help us out here. Like there were people that were legitimately like, "How dare you play golf on a day off?" No, it's like I'm not sure if you've heard of this guy called Michael Jordan. He used to play a lot of golf with our friend uh-huh. Danny Ainge. Like <laughs> these guys are allowed to to walk around. Like you can't you can't be watching film and getting shots up the entire time. But to watch see those photos of of Blake. By the way, there's a photo of Blake. They're all laughing, but the bicep vein in the right arm. Yeah. Gee dude, whiz, I know you're a big dimensions guy. I know you're a big <laughs> yeah. dimensions guy. And so like to see that, and I'm a big bicep vein guy, vein guy in general. I'm more, I have my, mine's on my left arm. You can't see it in, in the video right now, obviously. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he's looking good. And he, cause he had to play a second game here. That was, that's not part of the Blake, you know, retirement home plan that we've got him on, but he's all good. That day and that day out in the sun in the Phoenix, Phoenix weather did him some good. That's actually going to be my next video on our YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're not already. It's a breakdown of the dimensions and the vascularity of uh, Blake Griffin's <laughs> biceps. So stay tuned for that. We are jumping around the page a little bit here, which I think, you know, Jake is fine and just speaks okay. to our uh, excitement, excitement for the Celtics and, and particularly how they, they pulled out the victory in this game. So perhaps we can just sort of sit back and, and, and talk about this for a second. The ultimate moments of ponage in this particular game because there were, like the whole game was one ultimate moment of ponage. Yes. 11 minutes or so left in the third quarter. Tatum pulls up for a superstar three to go up 32. Then Blake Griffin and his huge uh, vascular biceps <laughs> immediately draws a charge on the other end like just to uh, further emphasize the dominance. Or maybe it was halfway through the third when Jalen fed Tatum down low with a nifty low bounce pass and then Tatum hit them with this high velocity turn around MJ Kobe style fadeaway. Then the Celtics get a stop and Tatum comes straight back down, bang, bang, double crossover and sticks the three to go up 39. And just side note, <laughs> there were some really, really nice passes from Jalen Brown to Tatum sort of He's... post entry passes, bounce passes in this game. One more, one more. Keep going. Maybe Don't stop. It was the Marcus Smart back-to-back steals with five minutes to go in the third. The second one was just completely taking Chris Paul's marbles and making him look like an old, confused man. And immediately followed by Jalen Brown's pull-up three to go up 45. 45 points, Jake. Incredible. Uh, can you add anything to that? I, I feel like those are the three most key moments of Ponage. The Sacred score- title, a uh, working oh. title. Sorry, go the, ahead. The, the scoreboard was just like, even the announcer was having trouble with the maths. Like, you know, we've... It's well covered on the podcast. I struggle with numbers <laughs> and I was having issues trying to figure out like how do I need to be stressed? How are we, are we up 34? Are we up 44? It was honestly confusing at times. My moment of, of ponage was, as you said, like it was kind of late in the first quarter where this one kind of felt like it was, it was over. Tatum goes out. And if you're a Suns fan, if you're a Suns player or a Suns coach, like, okay, we've survived the starting lineup Oh, oh crap! Here comes here comes Derek White. Lead gets yeah. extended. <laughs> oh crap! Here comes Malcolm Brogdon. Oh no! Now 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 it's a, now it's Brogdon, Tatum, Derek, and like it just got worse and worse. And I was like, there's just no there's no let up. Like the 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 bench lineup with Tatum and Brogdon is just so unfair. Like if if you play the Celtics even. And then the the bench lineup comes in. I just I don't understand what you what you're supposed to do. That was the moment for me where it was like more. It's just waves. Starting lineup, first sub, second sub, third sub. I'd say, like, oh cool. Maybe maybe Luke Cornett's not going to be as good as Blake Griffin. 
surprise, he's actually better than Blake Griffin. It's just like, <laughs> what are we supposed Strange to dives. do? Strange yeah. dives, right? Yeah. That, that's a sentence. That's a valid sentence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so Jalen, uh, sorry, rather Tatum and the bench lineups mm. are a known phenomenon and they have been for at least a season. Jalen Brown on the bench is a new emerging trend and that was sort of, you know, I mentioned right up the top there, Jake, that the the first moment of the game where it was like, oh man, the Celtics are going to run away with this. Right after CP3 checked out with a few minutes left in the first, Tatum also goes to the bench and it's Jalen and the, and the bench uh, lineup. And it felt like every possession began with Jalen Brown grabbing the rebound, pushing, pushing so hard in transition. And I think per cleaning the glass, the Celtics, 23% of their all of their possessions came in transition and they were hugely successful out of those possessions. And wow. so much of that was Jalen Brown either off makes or off misses, pushing the ball super hard and then technically entering into a, a sort of a half-court offense scenario. But the Phoenix defense never had an opportunity to get properly set. And Jalen Brown took advantage of that every single time. It was absolutely incredible. And his playmaking has really, really started to come along. And it feels less dangerous, less risky when he starts to say, run, pick and roll as the ball handler, for example. And I thought that Blake Griffin did a really good job as the role man and sort of providing just enough distraction and, and attracting just enough def- attention, rather, from the defense to allow Jalen Brown to work out of that. And suddenly, his passing in those scenarios is crazy reliable. And it's a small sample size, so I'm not going to sort of you know rest on our laurels there, Jake, but it's something that I'm excited to see more of as, I guess, Jalen Brown progresses and as the season matures. He is playing so well right now. Like, he, he, he is right now. He's a second-team All-NBA lock as of today. And I think coming into the season, I was someone who wanted him to get All-NBA because that, you know, increases our ability to re-sign him. He, and he's going to deserve it, right? Like, if he, if he keeps doing what he's doing, the man, he is the ultimate Kaizen warrior. And if you don't know the Kaizen warrior story, Brad Stevens' favorite book is it's, it's Kaizen. Basically, it's the art of continual improvement. And Jalen is the encapsulation of, you know, the growth mindset, the Kaizen warrior, whether it's the free throw, the fact that he's up to 84% on free throws this year. I know I got blamed on Twitter today that if he goes 0 for 6 in the Warriors game, it's going to be my fault. That That's fair. That's fair. That could be my fault. But the <laughs> fact that, you know, he's he's heard he's heard the, the turnover, you know, criticism. And he seems to be, I, I don't know what it is, man. Like he, he really over the past two and a half, three weeks has flipped a switch because he was relatively divisive on on Twitter right now is for, for which is ridiculous by the way um, mm-hmm. he's already proven that he can be a championship level number two but he's proving to be like one of the best number twos in the league without doubt right now yeah absolutely it's it's so good to see I have very few criticisms of this team which we'll, we'll get to in a second if we do have any between the two of us Jake uh, lots of people in the in the live stream here so shout out to everyone joining us on the YouTube live stream hello, hello. we love having you guys hanging out with us we're reading all of your comments we're bringing them up on on screen go ahead and hit that like button which I know is like a YouTube cliche but oh, doing do. so <laughs> helps us with the algorithm so if you're sitting there watching click that mouse button it's a, it's a twitch of the finger it's all you have to do Jake, any any criticisms of the team at this juncture in the season? Because I know that heavy minutes load on yes. the starters has been one. Al Horford gets quote unquote rest with hopefully asymptomatic COVID, and then neither Jay played more than twenty nine minutes in this game. In fact, no one played more than twenty nine minutes in this game, largely in part due to it being over. Like I said, with a minute to go in the first quarter, uh, any criticisms, Jake? Which yes, is probably the hardest question I'll ask you. This is that, that's the only one, and I'm going to play Joe Mazzulla's post game here because it's absolutely hilarious. Um, and they're asking him about how he's managing the minutes because the the questions are a little muffled on the on the audio. How do you know when like, you take guys out? I don't. Like, <laughs> and like, how how do you know when guys Thirty-five. Like, why would you? Why did you do that? Like, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm still learning that. So I have to get better at that. Yeah. Like, That's amazing. <laughs> how good is that? That's incredible. Like, still learning. He's like, why did you have Jalen in there? And he starts thinking about it. 
I don't know. And, he, and I, I would recommend going to watch all the post-game stuff last night because um, it was it was really, really good. But he goes on to just say, you know, we want to, we want to make sure we're, we're doing the playing the right way. We're paying attention to the details. We have things we want to work on. And it's so funny that that's his mindset when they're up 40 points in the third quarter. He's still focused on like, was that switch good? Is our spacing still good? That wasn't the right shot. It's fantastic. And I think if that's our only criticism, uh, that's okay. I think we, I guess we just need to go up by 40 plus and then that's how we get Joe to actually become comfortable with resting those guys. But I mean, outside of, I mean, Grant was kind of the only player that wasn't like, I, I think playing at like his peak kind of level right now. But yeah, unless you have any other negatives, I, we can kind of move on from there. Well, no, let's move on to the individual performances. And we can start with Grant Williams, who was super efficient, six for six from the floor. That's good for per cleaning the glass, Jake. 233 yep. points per shot attempt <laughs> per 100 possessions. And awesome defense. We saw in one of those clips that we ran it, him playing a one-on-one defense against CP3 in isolation and like completely locking him down and forcing a turnover. I think Grant Williams is, is starting to emerge from his funk. Yes. And while he may not be featured as heavily in the offense, like we're not, there's not a lot of like quarter office talk on Twitter, right? <laughs> uh, for every game. But I feel like just as far as like finding his groove within the, the, the construct of the team, I feel like that's really improved. And, and so for that, you can say that Great Williams has emerged out of that funk. Do you, yes. Sounds like I you don't agree. No, no, no. I, d- I definitely do agree. So I may have been fr- uh, frowning just because the sun's coming. Yeah, yeah, your your attitude's heating <laughs> up, and my my room is also the sun is coming into my to, to my eyeballs. No, Grant's been really good lately. I think both the the Nets game and the Suns game. I could be getting the Nets and the Raptors game confused here, but he had the first seven points for the Celtics, and it was true last night. He had a, uh, a three and two drives. Um, he's he's being more aggressive, and he's he's starting to his new little move is the fake handoff drive, the Kelly Olynyk, the Draymond Green. And it's a really powerful move because there are so many players on this team that have elite gravity, especially Jalen, especially Jason. But defenses are worried about Derek White and Brogdon coming around uh, Grant Williams' handoffs because, you know, they're able to get downhill, they're able to pick and they're able to pop and shoot. And there's been several occasions now where he's faking the handoff and going straight to the rim. And he he's tough to to kind of deal with down low. Like, he's he's a thick boy. And so he's getting his shoulder into guys. He got Devin Booker yesterday. Again, this Suns team, like, they're just, they're not that, they're not burly. They're not burly boys. And mm-hmm. uh, and Grant Williams Gotta is- Gotta be burly. Is, if, if nothing, he's he's burly, you know? And to see him be aggressive to, because look, and again, to, to Grant's credit, he's been starting, he's been coming off the bench. He hasn't been, you know, and, and he's still like, you know, we forget, like he's still still a young player. And last year was really his first year of a, of a consistent role for for a lot of the year where he mostly came off the bench. And, you know, Missoula's asked him to, to do both depending on the matchup. And the last couple of games to see him be aggressive and be the, the person that kind of breaks the seal at the beginning of the game, that, that can often be like really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I am very happy with Grant. I, uh, both ends, I, I think he's really found a groove and, you know, perhaps uh, I'm very much nitpicking here, but the, <laughs> the fact that we were celebrating so so much early in the season and now he's almost operating behind the scenes in like how mm. he contributes. It's, it's more role player-y, for lack of yeah. a better term. I think that's a good thing. It is a good in, thing. We're allowing the, the players... Who uh, have a more prominent skill set to feature more on both ends, and, and Grant's is kind of doing his thing in the shadows, yeah. like I Batman. Do, I do think an unintended consequence, or maybe intended consequence, of that is that he's not able to showcase and expand his game too much, which potentially does lower his his market on the in the restricted free agency. Because yeah. I think that you know he's literally the only the only person on this roster right now that isn't locked up for for at least two more years after this one and so i don't i don't i don't think that that would be like they're intentionally you know shrinking his role and shrinking his shots and his touches but it is kind of kind of a good thing in a way who else would you feature for individual performances and i've got to say the caveat is, is like obviously the jays but yeah. if we if we you know covered them on every single individual performances segment, it'd just be about them every episode. So we're sort of, they're implied and we're moving on to, to role players, I suppose. So who else would you feature, Jake? I have, I have a good one for you. Uh, it's Malcolm Brogdon. And what was he yesterday? Uh, he's absolutely cooking from, from Seven three. Seven of nine the from the field. 
Yeah, like in what he played 19 minutes yesterday, 16 points in nine minutes, five assists, three boards. Like, uh, since coming back from the hamstring injury, he is playing at an absurd level. Um, he is the sixth man of the year right now. Obviously, I'm biased uh, due to some financial incentives there, but the fact that he's coming off the bench and the, the hamstring appears to have not been a big deal and what is incredibly you know good about the situation about being 21 and 5 you can be patient with Rob you can be patient with Brogdon or you feel a little tweak you could probably go back in ha- have a week off we have this we have this kid Peyton Pritchard who cooked the Brooklyn Nets in the first round last year he can fill in for you admirably but now that he's back and, and playing like peak Brogdon what do you I'm not sure what you're supposed to do with this guy because not only is he getting to the rim at will, he's he's building chemistry with with that bench unit. He's finding people off the catch. He had one beautiful kick out in the Nets game to, I want to say, Horford. Maybe, yeah, I think it was Horford just like driving three guys, crashing because... He's one of the best drivers in the in the league. Like per 75, like his, his rim pressure is like second to none. And so people are very, very hyper aware of, of him and they're crashing down and he's just fine making easy passes out to really good shooters. And yesterday was no, you know, no different. Seven for nine, two for four from three. Like he, he's, he's unfair. He's also the league leader in three-point percentage. Like overall, not just players off the bench, not from yeah. guards, everyone. He's leading the league in three-point percentage at 49 0.4% and obviously shot 50% to help bolster that that stat yesterday. So it's incredible because I was almost going to say it feels knee-smithy, which it doesn't, right? In the sense <laughs> that they give you, hear me out, they give you something that <laughs> yeah, okay. you weren't expecting. Like right. Neesmith was sort of profiled as this incredible shooter. I can't believe I'm doing this. Uh, <laughs> the Neesmith comparison. Yeah. <laughs> came in, he gave us everything but that, right? He gave us hustle. He gave us, you know, grittiness, nose to the ball, balls to the wall, that kind of stuff. Never, <laughs> never really the three-point shooting. And yes, Malcolm Brogdon has exhibited plenty of the you know, especially driving left, breaking down the defense, really good zone breaker along with Jason Tatum, which really helps. But now he's exhibiting this incredible three-point shooting that I don't think has been that prominent in his career thus far. I know he was a 50-40-90 guy at one point in his career, but it's not like when he was acquired by the Celtics, shout out Brad Stevens, we were like, yes, like that's a, that's a real bump to our three-point shooting numbers, right? Like I don't think anyone, that was anyone's first reaction. And here we are, he's leading the league in three-point shooting, and that speaks to his place in a very, very well-constructed roster, and that, of course, you should be paying attention to Malcolm Brogdon on the arc, but there's so many other threats in the Celtics' offense at any given time, including Blake Griffin, apparently, that you, you have to sag off of him and give him these opportunities, and that's what we're seeing. It's, it's incredible. Who else you got? Who else you got from individual performances? I'm trying to queue up, Jake, because I know you've got a, Derek, a very spicy Derek White uh, clip oh, right, up. We've right. also we've also got uh, articulate rich in the chat here who's begging us to talk about Sam Hauser. So I promise we will we will pull some Sam Hauser uh, <laughs> figures for you, articulate rich. But have you got anything on anything further on Malcolm Brogdon, or do you want to move on to, to Derek? White? No, I, I think that he's he's figured out his role. It's just come in and and be aggressive, get downhill, pull up threes. So pull up three numbers. Maybe we we have a look at those at the next episode because it feels like he's he's just absolutely on fire from from pull up threes. He had one in the in the corner, which felt like from behind the backboard last night. Yeah, the confidence and and it makes sense that a lot of these percentages are going to be high in this offense because their looks are better than you're going to be getting on the average offense. And Brogdon's getting to go against worse defenders than he's gone against. You know, in in years, you know, so um, but yeah, we can we can leave Brogdon behind and we can move on to my mistress. Well, just quickly, I'll he's forty. <laughs> your mistress, he's forty-seven <laughs> percent on pull-up threes in this season with one point five attempts per game. Fifty percent on catch and shoot threes. Uh, incredible. Sorry, go ahead. That's good. That's those That's are very good, good numbers. Those are yeah. very good numbers. So Derek White. If you're following us on socials, uh, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I've been like desperately in love with Derek White even <laughs> last year but especially especially this year uh, yeah, head over get, heels yeah head over heels maybe the mistress is the is the you're gonna have to be my nickname for him but I've got some 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 clips from from last night of Derek White so starts off with you know Booker waving off Tatum Derek isolation forces a ridiculously difficult layup on Booker miss um, and he just does all the little things that we love you know just 
always on the defensive board, pushes the pace, makes a simple outlet pass to Tatum for an easy layup in transition. Nothing fancy, but just like great glue guy stuff. And this is just perfect. Aiton post up, puts a ball on the ground, strip. Again, pushing the pace. We saw this, this clip earlier, but get your paint touch. Find Grant in the corner. Not the best pass. Grant knocks it down. Corner office is back in business. We get the Grant Williams kiss of death. Absolutely beautiful. And this is one of the best plays of the game. The off-ball action, all four players, cuts. Blake gets the screen. Beautiful pass from Marcus in the far right corner. Bang. Catch and shoot. Same possession. Booker's bringing the ball up the court. Gets a screen. Derek White steal. It's yeah. just... It, does, it doesn't stop with this guy. You know, transition... Finds the, finds the lane, cut, fake, dump off to Cornette for two. Like, he does literally everything. You need him to run some pick and roll, he can do it. You need him to just, you know, catch some outlets, stand in the corner, knock down some threes. You want him to defend the best player on the opposing team. Yeah, Jalen Jason, take some time, catch your breath. I'll, I'll lock down Devin Booker for you. Not, not a big deal. Um, we're playing the, I was going to say playing the Bulls. That, that doesn't work. Literally every, every other every every other team. Yeah, I'll take your power forwards. I'll take your point guards. I'm happy to do it. I'll chase around Steph Curry, which we're going to see this weekend. He is perfect to have Marcus Smart 2.0 to have the multi pronged Cobra Strike attack employed by Joe Mazzulla. It's just it's just ridiculous, and it's never he's never like if if Malcolm Brogdon wasn't on this team, he's going to be bloody six man of the year. Yeah, sorry, go absolutely. On. No, I mean, I, I don't think I can add to that. The only, the only thing I wanted to say is in the, the last play in that clip, just to, to satiate, articulate Rich in the comments here, is first for Sam Hauser content. It was a great feed by Sam mm. Hauser on that final play. And, and just quickly on Hauser, yes, his, his three-point shooting uh, efficiency or at least volume has dropped. And I think that just speaks to the league. The league's awakening to yeah. Sam Hauser and what he means and his abilities and just working to sort of close out and, and defend him a little harder. But the fact that he's able to make those passes and to execute, you know, out of closeouts and, and make the right play and defend, I'll say, somewhat competently and somewhat effectively when teams try to target him on the other end, it's going to keep him on the court and it's going to keep him impactful despite the fact that we're not seeing, you know, house money four, five, six times a game. So anyway, well, I, don't, become, I didn't want to deviate too far from Derek White, but I, no, had no, to, it's fine. I had to satisfy our listener there. It's fine. No. And look, I, I've been calling it the house trap and teams <laughs> think that they can go at Sam Hauser just one-on-one. And ironically, Ben, we, we deleted the Sam Hauser defense clip from, from our little cue here from, from the last yeah. podcast. But um, yeah. see, see, he, he locked up Siakam last game. You know, yeah. we, we can, you know, Bradley Beal, Siakam, there's a lot of guys this year um, that have tried to take him one-on-one. Gabe Vincent, like these role players, they they see this white guy that shoots and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to get some buckets. And uh, he's, he's, he's 6'9", athletic enough, and he's surrounded by really smart, intelligent defenders that are not only in the right positions to help him, but he's learning from them every single day. I like that he gets on the boards as well. You know, he's never going to out-jump anyone, but he's six foot nine. He, he gets on the defensive boards and a lot of that's just effort. Smooths, yeah, look, I could go on. But Rich, you look, you got me. You got me yeah. good. <laughs> this could be a very long podcast because obviously we're like our hearts are full of, of Celtics glory at this moment in time where we could, I think, go on Jake for hours, but you know, we've got other things to do. So we are going to move on. Other individual <laughs> performances in this game, Derek White, probably the the main call out, and I will say uh, on Derek White per cleaning the glass, White had a nine percent steal percentage in this game, which means of all what? defensive possessions in this game, on nine percent of total defensive possessions, they ended in a Derek White steal, which is absolutely insane. Blake Griffin, ninety percent field goal defensive <laughs> rebounding percent, which is insane. He, he rebounded 90% of the Suns' misses. Nine points, uh, all from three, mind you. Uh, and he had the amazing, I don't know if you saw it, Jake, like the teacup celebration oh, no, after one of the threes. So good. I uh, didn't notice. Oh, the Robin Lopez. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nine rebounds, hustle plays, drawing charges like we referred to before. Blake Griffin might be the most elite part-time employee on the planet Earth right now. He is so good. And not that I want it to be something that we have to rely on, but, you know, if Al Horford needs to rest, 
if he's got COVID, whatever it might be, I can handle a night or three of Blake Griffin kind of like chipping in and doing his thing. And, you know, we've seen the vibes from the bench. If combined with a successful on-the-court performance, he's also bringing the vibes and the celebrations on the court. That's like maybe one of the ultimate forms of the 2023 Celtics. I love it. I love the Blake Griffin effect. Oh, no, I... I Brad, Brad's a wizard um, all around. Like not not only the the fit of these guys on the court, but to, uh, my dad calls it the no dickhead policy. And Brad Brad learnt from his time with Kyrie, Tristan Thompson. Uh, those are the, the first two that come to mind. These guys like are really really good dudes and are really really well respected by the league and clearly by the guys in the locker room. And like when. For example, Grant's going into negotiations for restricted free agency, and let's say you know you know you do twenty six million that hours getting paid minus the ten that leaves sixteen million that they're offering to Grant Williams, for example, um, and he gets offered twenty million by the Orlando Magic. There's going to be Blake Griffin in his ear, Malcolm Brogdon in his ear, being like, "Yeah, dude, look, four million dollars extra is a, is a big deal, but look, you your quality of life here is a ten out of ten, like." That that stuff has a serious impact. Like I've, I always compare these guys to the Warriors, and having having veterans on the team like Blake Griffin, not kind of purely for vibes, but apparently it's not just purely for vibes because mm-hmm. he's contributed to. He's five and zero now as a starter. Five and zero now as plays. a starter. Blake Griffin in the year twenty twenty two of our Lord. It's. <laughs> It's impressive stuff. And so, yeah, look, I mean, what can you say about Blake? Four from five from three? You're going to leave him wide open. He, he can knock down some threes. He did it to us in the playoffs in, in the first round last year. It's the basketball IQ as well. You know, he can't jump over a Kia anymore, but, you know, he, he brings it on the court every night. And, you know, we talk about the per 36 charge numbers, which I don't have, but I'm sure they're elite. Oh, they're elite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bet your ass. And you know, just just everything that he brings, both on and off the court, like we already we already talked about, um, is incredible. Moving on from offensive uh, individual performances on either end, really, offensive, defensive, spicy stats. So one of the great things about your team performing at such an elite <laughs> level is that the internet comes together after every game and updates you on, <laughs> you know, just how incredible and unprecedented the stats are either for your team as a whole or for players individually. So Jake and I have, without conferring with one another, have gathered some stats from the internet and are going to go toe-to-toe uh, <laughs> and and deliver stats to and fro just to further build the hype from around this team. Jake, do you want to go first? Look, Ben, this part of the homework assignment, I didn't I didn't do super well on. So well, on I this... did very well, so I can throw okay, some cool. stats at you. Like, yeah. right, I, I got a few. So, <laughs> so no, that's, that's all right. Yeah. We'll, we'll get your reactions to these stats. That's, you, that, you that's how first, we're going to run this. Because then I can go second. <laughs> <laughs> per stat muse, the Celtics averaged the seventh most field goals made per game in the league while being just 21st in attempts. These are in no particular order, people, but I thought that was an interesting takeaway. Thank you, stat muse. Any thoughts, Jake? The Celtics are, are really, seventh really good. Most, yeah. Yes. So, oh wait, do you want me? Do you want me to? I got one for you, but I've oh, already please. said it today. I've already, I've already said it today. But this is like the this is the thing right here. This is like how you win sixty five games is, and so last fifteen games, the Celtics have the fifth best defense. That that is terrifying. If you're if you're the rest of the league, it was like okay, cool. They're going to have the best offense in the league, but now that the defense is top five. Like, you're just going to get grounded to dust. So, I've been keeping on my eye on that very religiously, the the little sample sizes and the trending in the right direction. But, yeah, so that, that's my one. And then while you do a new one, I'm going to find a cool one in the meantime. <laughs> They're not hard to find. Uh, and I might, I've got a lot on the offensive and defensive ratings, so I may nah. repeat what you just said. So, again, per stat muse, the Celtics offensive rating this season, October, 119.0. November, 120.8. Since Thanksgiving, 124.0, the best offense of all time is getting better. Like, we already had the best offense of all time, and it's becoming, again, the better offense of all time. It's absolutely incredible. Well, this is the thing. Like, last night, the, the shooting in the first half was, again, like at 33%. These guys are loaded with guys that can attack the paint, shoot, 
create plays for their teammates. And then when you're ramping up the defense, you're getting... And then they have elite transition finishes. We ran through uh, Tatum's transition transition numbers the other day. They're, they're, you know, they're up by like 20, 25% as well across the board. And then you're adding guys like Hauser to the, to the mix, a guy that they've kind of missed on the roster for for years now where it's like, okay, I'm going to try and shade off. I'm going to try and stop Tatum. He's finishing at a 70. Yeah, there we go. If you haven't listened to the podcast recently, Tatum's finishing 76% in the restricted area, which is better than Giannis Antetokounmpo, which I'm not sure if you know, very good at finishing at the rim typically. Um, He's all right. Yeah. So (laughs) kind of a big deal that Tatum's doing that. Yeah. Okay. I have more. I have to preface this one with a little explanation. So, SRS is simple rating system and it's a it's a player evaluation metric that mainly focuses on plus minus. So with that in mind, this is from Danger Cart, Ryan Bernard. The Celtics SRS is now over 9.0. Were they to maintain that through the season, they would be the 15th team to do it since 1971-1972. 9 of the previous 14 went on to win the title, including the 1986 and 2008 Celtics, and two played each other in the finals in 1972. But uh, that's pretty spicy because we're starting Uh to look towards like, hang on, and we're big on jinx culture here and not wanting to (laughs) jinx things and ruin things for everybody. But like, when you start to read things like that, you're like, hang on a second, is it time to look forward to like raising batters and, you know, booking flights to Boston in June and stuff like that? These These are the sort of stats that are starting to emerge. Well, I don't know how you can't look. There's this, the stats, you know, they speak for themselves. Um, like it's 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 quite obvious. And you know, you go back to last year; they were the by far the best team in the league. The offense was uh, one of the best offenses in the league from January on. I just think it's hard for people to let go of what they saw offensively in the Miami and Golden State kind of part of the part of the playoffs because it was it was traumatic there's no question it was traumatic but you know what they did um they added Malcolm Brogdon Sam Hauser now plays um Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown just aged because that's just what happens to humans and they are still (laughs) insanely young so they got better again and if you know anything about these guys they just come back better every single year so it's it's like it's not that surprising in a way I think as we we kind of had the, our expectations tempered, but you you could kind of see the writing on the wall. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, just realized that we're almost an hour into this pod and still have a lot to get to. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna choose one more stat here. This is from Sean Grandi, the the voice of Celtics Radio. The Celtics have won now eight of nine, and during that span, the best NBA offense in the history of ever with one point one. 99 points per possession. Also the league's fourth best defense, which I think you touched on earlier, Jake. And then just overall, like looking through the season, I know like we were previous podcasts we were talking about that we had like the 27th ranked defense while having the first ranked offense. Just looking through the whole season, not even truncating that to five, 10 games, whatever it is, we have the ninth best defense mm-hmm. in the league with 110.8 uh, defensive rating. And of course, still the best offense currently at 119.9. Jake, should we move on to post-game vibes? I think we've yeah. got some post-game clips that we can run and Sorry. celebrate the the Celtics' internal vibes coming out of this game. I mean, I mean, let's do it. We got some clips what to run. Am I am I going to cue them up? Oh, no, I was like, <laughs> what should we what should we start with? Because I I think the Tatum post-game really speaks to how far he's come throughout his NBA career. So I'm going to run that now. You know, I think um, everybody in the locker room understands what we're trying to do. Uh, we realize that you know we got the best record. We're 21 and five. Um, you know, with that comes, you know, the a decision every night to, to play the right way, play as hard as we can on both ends. Um, you know, but I wouldn't say we're playing angry. We're having a lot of fun. Um, but I think, you know, you know, the goal is still the same, you know, get back to the finals and, and get over that hump. Um, so, you know, while we're having fun and, you know, happy the way we're playing, nobody in that locker room is, you know, celebrating satisfied you know where we're at um you know none of this means anything if we don't you know hang a banner you know Look, yes, sir. contrast <laughs> how he sounded and looked and how we sound and look like we're like just on the moon right now and he's just like 
it look, you, if you didn't tell me, they could have lost. I don't even know. And that's that's where these guys are at. Not too high, not too low. It's just we're focused on getting. And what I love about it is that they're focused on getting better. And if you listen to the post game again, I would recommend listening to it. Later in the interview, he talks about building championship habits. That's that's what this is all about. They understand that you grow throughout a season and you get like they saw it last year that this is just the beginning for these guys yeah look there's going to be there might be an injury there there's going to be a lull and more covid whatever it may be but that's fine you know the, it, it's the it's just you're sticking to you're sticking with the process um you stay together you you're focused on you're focused on your goal the fact that he's like none of it matters if we don't hang a banner i would just like as a life philosophy be like no it it does matter. Like you've done, you're doing a really good job in in yeah. this world, Jason. <laughs> celebrate, like, celebrate the minor victories. Yeah, I will still love you if you don't <laughs> if you don't win the the, the title this year. Um, yeah, but like these guys are these guys are locked in. Yeah, absolutely. One other post game vibes clip that I have to run before we move on. This is from the NBC Sports Boston post game show. Got to check this out. Meanwhile, plenty of celebrating going on out there in Phoenix. There's a look at Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart <laughs> doing their best Tootsie roll. I'm being told by our producer <laughs> that it was apparently 90s night down there at the Footprint Center. All the good vibes happening. Marcus Smart really getting into it, okay? Because he has been working on this Tootsie roll for a long time. <laughs> So, look at that. That is amazing. I'll have everyone know I'm already working on a new version of that intro video that, of course, includes the Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Tootsie Roll, which I will not attempt to, uh, to, to reenact myself. Nice to say the vibes coming out of this game and the season so far are incredible. And we've talked about it, like, in all seriousness on the pod several times that the good vibes feed into the results just as much as the results feed into the good vibes. So, it's all holistically very important for the success of this team. Jake, I haven't had a chance to, and moving on here, catch the latest episode of the Old Man and the Three podcast hosted by JJ Reddick, who apparently had a coaching offer from uh, Joe Mazzulla as he was appointed as a Celtics coach heading into this season. But to sidetrack from that, Derek White was on the JJ Reddick podcast. (laughs) Jake, you had a chance to catch it. Any notable excerpts that you want to share with us? Really, just it was just a fun. It was a fun time all around to see Derek White, you know, because I feel like he's he and, and you can see it in the podcast. He's a reserved, he's a chill guy, but it was really cool to you know you get the, the full story of his background and his journey to the NBA, etc. But obviously, what Celtics fans want to hear about is all the Celtics related kind of stuff that they touched on. And one of the questions, you know, is you know what what you know how is it playing with Tatum, like being around him? What's his pro? He looks locked in. Um, what's it like this year? And you know, basically, Derek White's like. All he cares about is winning. It's really cool to care about a guy that's like that level of superstar that only cares about winning, that doesn't care about his numbers. And Derek says, even though he's putting up crazy numbers, like he doesn't really care about the numbers that he's putting up. He just wants to win. Um, and the rest of the team just feeds off that. And uh, I'll play I'll play the clip here because this is yeah, just cool. this is this is perfect. This is Celtics in its finest. It feels like so far, you know, um, everybody has figured out how to carve out their own lane and kind of stick to that. And that's clearly not the case around the league with, with every team. Is there a, um, is there something, is there like a common thread or is there a glue that allows that to be so simple for you guys? Um, I just think that, I mean, we basically have five guys out there that can shoot, pass, and like create a play. So um, just trusting, I mean, we talk about love and trust a lot. So just, Trusting that if you make the right play, like kick the ball across, it's going to come back and find you. Um, I mean, they show film clips of that all the time. It's like the person that started with the kick ahead ends up with the wide open three. So um, just having that that trust that if you make the right play, um, that next person is going to make the right play as well. And you're going to end up benefiting from it. So, um, I mean, Al... Al's amazing. Um, Al's am- he goes on to say how Al's amazing and Sam Houser's the goat. Um, but firstly, watch the interview. He's wearing a hat that says "Be a good person" while talking yeah. about loving and trusting his teammates. Like it's just fantastic. But again, it just it just kind of reinforces like the full team buy-in on the sharing of the ball, making of the right play. Like I, you know, it's not rocket science, but the fact that they're showing in film, I think it's a really smart idea. It's like, hey, you pass the ball here. And look, you're the one who ended up with 
the shot. You're the one who was able to attack the bended defense um, and got, got a layup at the rim. And then, yeah, so to see that was awesome. And I guess the other bit was JJ was playing golf with e- uh, with Joe Missoula, um like the day after the, the Ime stuff came out and was talking about, you know, how he's feeling about being a head coach and, you know, was super impressed by him, et cetera. And, and Derek White last year when he got traded was talking about, you know, hey, you know, Joe, he's the defensive guru. Like that's what Will Hardy was telling him. And it's just mm-hmm. so interesting for him to say that um, yeah. and see how, Joe Mazzola has, you know, taken this offense from, you know, really good to one of the best offenses of all time. But last season was the defensive guru and by all accounts was kind of like the mastermind behind the Rob Williams roving role. Yeah. Which just, just it just fills you with more confidence um, as a Celtics fan for the players, Derek, Joe Mazzola. Yeah. So those are kind of a couple of takeaways before we end up running two hours on this podcast. Yeah, no, that's great. The first thing I do after I edit this podcast for the Celtics blog podcast feed, and if you're not subscribed there, please go ahead and subscribe to the Celtics blog podcast feed if for no other reason, just to fill our new employers with confidence that they hired the right people. Please yes, go please. ahead and do that. Plus, you know, you, you get to listen to a more refined, cut down version of the pod rather than this raw, unedited version on YouTube. Jake, you and I are going to get together on Sunday yes, for the first time ever. Somewhere in Sydney, secret location. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be somewhere in Surrey Hill. So if you see a yes. couple of Celtics tragics hanging out, come and say hello. Uh, to watch this Warriors game, Saturday night, US time, 8.30 p.m., 12.30 p.m. Sunday, Aussie time. No Andrew Wiggins. He's out with an adductor injury. He's set to be reevaluated early next week, I think on Monday. The Warriors, their last few games... Losses to the Jazz and Pacers. Jake, do those losses matter in this context or is this matchup to be viewed in a vacuum? I would definitely view this matchup in a vacuum. The man, the the Jazz loss. I mean, there was you no know, Steph wasn't playing either, I don't believe, but they were up four with like 20 seconds to go and they just missed free throws. Like it was it was a really, really bad collapse. The Warriors are kind of in a bad way, right? But I would not like it. It's not 100% that Steph's going to play. If Steph's playing, mate, buckle up, mate. There's no way you and me aren't going to be sitting there sweating. Oh, my God. Hold, holding, out, <laughs> yeah. holding, holding each other, like um, go, having going through our PTSD. So, yeah, definitely view it as a vacuum. I don't really care that Wiggins isn't playing. I'm, you know, I know some people will be like, I wish this matchup was you know, full strength. I don't care. Give me the win in a tough yes. part of our schedule, and we can, we can have a proper rematch in the finals. Don't care. Yeah, I care about the wins, baby. Like, I want to see, I want to see Draymond have a bad time. Yes, please. You know, I want to see him targeted by the Celtics in whatever way they they think helps prop up their offense or defense. I would just generally want to see him have a bad day based on, you know, him really triumphing over the Celtics fans, for example, in TD Garden chanting what we all know they chanted at him during that final series. <laughs> Wiggins, really, obviously an X-Factor. He was an X-Factor yes. in the finals. He's their best wing defender. He can throw himself at either Jay and, as we've seen, the evidence suggests nullify either of them. He's not going to be present, but like you said, Jake, I'm addicted to the wins at this point, man. Just give me the win. Wiggins is out good. Let's, let's beat those guys. It doesn't matter. Time Lord wasn't healthy in the finals, and you don't hear people adding that as a caveat when talking about... The, the Warriors win there and their inevitable championship or eventual championship. So it's fine. Wiggins is out. That's fine. Just give us the win. <laughs> Despite that, I am very nervous because oh, any game that includes Steph Curry has the potential for him to hit 10 threes from just inside the three-point line. And that's not an exaggeration. So there's a good reason, Jake, why you and I are deciding for that to be the first game that we catch up and watch together yeah. because there's a support network 100%. that's absolutely needed there. So... Uh, very, very excited for that one. And uh, I guess I should ask, even though I, I, I think you know we're both very biased here, Jake, who do you predict to win that particular matchup? The, the Celtics will be favored <laughs> in this game. There's no question. Yeah. So, like, yeah, with, with Wiggins out, there's... You can't stop this team. You cannot stop them offensively. Maybe, like, the only way the Celtics aren't putting up 120 is if they shoot below 35% from three. And even then, they might still get there. Like... Draymond's going to have to have a, like, peak Draymond game in order to, like, have an impact on slowing this offense down. Um, And Steve Kerr has never been someone that runs up minutes in the regular season. Uh, Mm -hmm. Can't say the same for Joe Mazzulla, who played his guys 40 minutes on a back-to-back in Toronto. Yeah, I I would be surprised if the Celtics don't win this one. I know that Kaminga has taken pretty solid 
um, grasp of, of the opportunities that he's been given recently, particularly on the defensive end. And as far as who they could throw at the Jays from a wing defense perspective or even a help defense perspective, Kaminga worries me a little. No, no, maybe, no. Maybe I'm grasping at straws here, Jake. Well, what do you, what the, you got for me? You're shaking like, your head I like, here. I like that you're, how you're trying to con- you're convince yourself into how the Celtics could, could lose here. But uh, I need it can- out. <laughs> they, they, they're playing Kaminga because they kind of need Kaminga to play. Uh, okay. He 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 has the size and physicality in theory to kind of you know hang with the Jays. Maybe, maybe if they if he played them in the first half of last year, he would have had a chance when they were more ISO heavy. But the way they're playing with the cutting and the movement, uh, yeah, he's gonna can have his hands full. I would I would imagine like foul trouble. That's my one of my predictions. Maybe mm-hmm. a Kaminga foul trouble. I hope you're right. I'll buy you a beer when we're hanging out if you're right about that one. Uh, <laughs> will Al Horford be back? So a quick review of the you know the COVID protocols that were updated prior to this season. So the the clause that's relevant is that immediately isolate. So quote immediately isolate after a positive or inconclusive result. Clearance from team physician and league physician required per NBA testing and clearance policy. So we can assume I, I suppose that Al Horford presented or produced a positive test result and now it's really up to him and his I guess immune system (laughs) to present a negative result and that's not unlikely given the timeline but really like we don't know we don't know any of the circumstances as to how he came to test positive and how he entered the protocol so we really don't know but there's there's at least half a chance that he's back for this game does it matter Maybe, almost certainly, yes, because how much can we really, Jake, expect out of Blake Griffin in, like, sequential games, right? Like, we've probably pushed him too far at this point. But we got two days off here. That's so, true. So, he's, More golf. you know, it's a warm, you know, a bit warmer out there on the West Coast. But look, don't forget that Al Horford missed game one of the conference finals and then played game two of the conference finals. So... I would have to double check if there was two ga- two days off between those two games. Um, mm, but that's a good point. I don't, there wouldn't have been three days off between games one and two. So the timeline is probably pretty similar. So and that 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 means nothing really. But it's a it's maybe an indication that he will be back tomorrow. But if is, I'm just hoping he's like he's not too sick and it's kind it could be you know it's just it's just extra rest for for the big fella. Absolutely. Well, look. Post-game pod, like 24 hours worth of content to review, and we've gone an hour and 11 minutes. So that's how we like to do it here on First of the Floor. Yeah, well, there's two days off. you got plenty of time before the next Celtics game to listen to it. Absolutely, absolutely. We don't apologize for our behavior here at First of the Floor (laughs) at all. That's going to do it for this one. Quick suggestion, subscribe to the First of the Floor YouTube channel. Wayne Spoonie, he's got a new video on Derek White dropping very soon. Plus, you'll get all of our pods and clips and shorts in your feed. And of course... Subscriber numbers give us that clout when we reach out to guests. And we do, in fact, have a very special guest joining us roughly this time next week who we're very very excited to announce. Shout out to the guys over at Green with Envy. They'll be back with another pod on this feed on Sunday night. So subscribe to all of their socials if you're not already. And that's it. Jake, love your work, mate. Thanks again. Thanks, mate. See you on Sunday. All right. Until next time, go Celtics. (laughs) 